0: At age 40, I took a student debt. I I, I took a loan to to
1: Mm.
0: finance my MBA, but it was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I joined there and I thought I had great experience. I had a lot of tech knowledge and it would be a cakewalk for me. I'll learn a few things and come out stronger. And then I quickly realized that that the more I learned, I realized there's more to learn. Joining Cambridge and going through the Cambridge experience was like when you're thirsty for knowledge and drinking from a, a fire hose, it was, it was just amazing. I think it was a very humbling experience for me, and that was a new beginning, which has led to what I am today.
1: Hey there, this is Ben. thanks for tuning in to lead the team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lead the Team. I've got a great one in store for you today with uh, Viral Tripati, who is the global CIO of Colabora. Most recently, Calabra was rebranded or has rebranded their digital engineering solutions business as Ascendion, for which Viral is the global CIO and a member of the executive committee. He's a passionate technologist with almost 30 years of global experience, having lived and worked in India, Europe, and the US working as an IT industry professional, as well as a management consultant with the Big Four. He's also in leadership roles with KPMG and the Associated Press. Viral, welcome to Lead the Team.
0: Thank you, Ben. Very pleased to be on the show.
1: Thanks for coming on. And I forgot to mention, everybody, uh, your educational chops with an executive MBA from the University of Cambridge. Degree in mathematics, computer science, and several other IT certifications. Holy smokes, you are really ready to conquer the world from the CIO perspective. So it makes sense it says that you're global CIO. Uh so let's so let's get into this here. Um, what's interesting is that you've had a rapid, a very rapid promotion path at Colabora from CTO to global CIO and the executive committee member at Collabra. What was that rapid promotion path like?
0: uh, Ben, uh, thanks for the great introduction. I'm very pleased to be on the show and I love the way you introduced myself probably better than I could do to it myself. (laughs) Well, So uh, speaking of the promotion and joining Collabra, right? I joined Collabra in December of 2019 as their CTO, largely leading the infrastructure team, looking Mm -hmm. at the architecture and the application stack for one of the uh, BUs. As soon as I joined, uh, part of my team was in India, so I visited India in January. And on my way back, we were already hearing about COVID. So there Mm -hmm. I was, a new CTO joining Colabra. And within the first 100 days of joining, we have a global pandemic to to deal with. Collabra, for the right reasons, the way that business operated was largely a work-from-office culture. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Over 90% plus based out of office and, and desktop computers, not even
1: laptops. Wow. Yeah.
0: But we were committed to ensure business continuity, and we drove several changes and moved the entire workplace to virtual world, wow! executed the digital workplace strategy. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things, and then eventually working along with the the senior executives of the company, we started looking at the business processes, the efficiency Uh, during the pandemic when when the lockdown happened, our Mm -hmm. competitors were down for average of two to three weeks versus we were online 100% continuity, so we gained share uh, eventually what happens is next you we, you enable business operations but what next right how do you drive growth through technology so that's where we had a new ceo mr karthik Krishnamurthy, kk as we call him and he and the founders of the company said we all know good deed goes unpunished and we want you to take on a larger role So very, very grateful for that. And Mm. my next role was global CIO. And eventually, as technology was core to the business and driving growth, Mm. Mm -hmm. I got a seat at the table, uh, very pleased to be part of the executive committee, along with very uh, great, great leaders on on the team.
1: Yeah, so... I'm glad you brought up that distinction. Well, first of all, congratulations on you know your rapid promotion there and getting a seat at the table as you say, because I think it's like a lot of organizations, at least in the past, kind of kind of had I.T. in the back or in the base like the proverbial basement of the business. Like we're going to let the I.T. people talk and do other work, but we're not going to bring them out of here and start messing with our leadership team and whatnot. And, uh, that's changing. And you, and that sounds like that was an essential ingredient because you used the term, the seat at the table. I was curious for leaders who, uh, any leader, not just IT, but maybe any leader, what what do you think, um, what's a bit of advice that you have for them if they want to have a seat at the table too?
0: Yeah, so what, what worked for me and what I would say is like, understand the business. End of the day, it's about the business and how can technology help drive the business. Are you an enabler, which is more of a back office function, versus a driver? Uh, you mm-hmm. need your strategy. You need to plan, plan, and plan, plan for all eventualities, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. That's what we did. Like, we didn't, nobody had foreseen the lockdowns, the way it happened and on a global scale. But there was a plan, like a what-if scenario. Uh, you need agility. You need once you have a plan and once the time comes, mm-hmm. execute the plan. Act with intention, right? It, don't wait. <laughs> uh, also, especially for IT, you need to build a consensus and partner with the business to execute the plan with agility. And then don't lose sight of the end goal, right? Be very outcome-focused, operational efficient, mm-hmm. and IT roadmaps are there to drive the business. So what are the outcomes of the business that don't lose focus of
1: that. Yeah. You said the word business several times. So it's like you're in IT, but you're in business uh, as the overarching mentality. And so if you go in there into the CEO's office or you, I mean, in IT rarely is anything really like uh, in a vacuum or microcosm, the actions you take are affecting other parts of the business. You've got to speak the language of the other parts of the business or they're not going to work with you. So I think that's such a huge distinction is to speak the language of the business, like you said. And I like one of the things that you did here too, uh, is it seems like you saw the pandemic as an opportunity. You really seized the moment because uh, you were, I remember, right? You said you were 90% in person. Yeah. And then you went 100% space. virtual, or is Connect. it? Wow. Connect. Yeah. Is it, are you still 100% virtual?
0: We are in a hybrid mode. We are largely exactly. virtual for our engineering tech people. We are work from any place culture. Mm-hmm. So we we're going into a hybrid mode like most people are, but we don't mandate people to be in office. It's more outcome-based. Get mm-hmm. work done versus where you are.
1: What's one of the surprises that you face going virtual so quickly?
0: The logistical issues. With mm-hmm. it's a major change it's a behavioral change it's people are used to the office environment working with peers uh, we at Colabra have a very celebrated culture and all of a sudden you're sitting in a same room with by yourself or not not meeting the people. So yes, there was a technology change and adoption requirement, but the the bigger bigger impact and the bigger learning was people learning to work on their own and not in a office environment where you get to meet yeah. and, see and touch and feel and shake hands, right? Yes.
1: What was your first job and how does it influence your leadership today?
0: Oh, great, great question. So it takes me almost three decades back. Uh, my first job, I was with a shipping company back in Mumbai uh, in in India. I had gone from a small town to a large city, and back then in India, that wasn't common. Very few people went out of their city, like people studied, lived, and worked in the cities that they grew up with. So here I was, a young 21-year-old, joining a shipping company. Back then, it was called ADP manager, automated data processing, because they thought they needed a computer to process data. But basically, it was IT manager role. And I was the only IT person. The role wasn't very well defined. And that's where I found the opportunity. It was more of an experiment of how computers could help. Mm. Um, early on, I had to learn to showcase the value of technology. Uh, it was because the business didn't know what to do with tech. It was my role to understand the business and I it and come with solutions. Uh, I, I used to build computers like from parts and crawl under desks to fix the cabling. And when things are working smoothly, I was coding and developing programs and doing it all. And then eventually started building a team for IT. So that was my first job. And that was sort of the place where the early seeds of what I'm today in terms of understanding the business uh, I love it. Fluidity, right? And, and uncertainty and getting hands-on.
1: Yeah, uh, and what it, it's cool in the shipping logistics business because you're moving stuff around. You can go, you can see the things moving. You can really begin to understand the nuts and bolts. It's not something that's happening abstractly. There's like physically a, a ship or there's a boat or there's a plane. And it's really cool that that leadership lesson that you learn in your first job it sounds like it was the key success factor uh during the pandemic because you're going to take everything remotely you got to understand the business requirements
0: yeah so so that certainly helped and then also back when i was a management consultant we we worked on a digital workplace strategy service offering as a management consultant in in the way back in 2012 through 2017 but the world wasn't ready back then for to go fully uh, no. workplace. And <laughs> it, 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 like mm-hmm. some future heuristic CIOs liked it and lapped it up, but it didn't really take off. So there were many other things that we have worked on through my career that eventually all things tied together when the pandemic hit and then we're pretty prepared.
1: What's the worst leadership advice you've heard?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Actually, I've heard some great leadership advice over the period of years, right? Like some really good ones. But I've had my fair share of ones when you had to scratch your head. Um, Early on, when I moved to U.S., one of my managers used to say, like, if ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that one before?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So, and the peers started. Why is that the worst? Why is that so bad? Yeah, so, so. That that person used to
0: say that the peers started saying it. Maybe when I repeated it a few times, then I started wondering. This is the worst thing to say to a technologist. IT is all about change. It's mm. about innovation. I need to update and experiment and figure new solutions out. Like if I'm not touching things, if I'm not changing it, like of course you gotta leave your production systems as is. So there's that the a the, the, the business continuity and operationally. Steadiness, but how else would you move the needle, right? You got to build a product in IT which is either better, faster, or cheaper. Otherwise, you're irrelevant.
1: You know, I really like that perspective, and I have heard that advice an awful lot. And I've, I know I've used it probably too. And but I like your perspective on from especially as an IT leader, your job sometimes is to improve, or sometimes it is to break it. I mean, aren't there some people in organizations in the IT world? I don't know what their job title is, but are they there to break it? Are they like the testers or
0: yeah? So that? yeah, so that are ethical hackers and breakers because, okay. like for example, I know your part your your, your podcast is very really popular on Apple, and Apple pays people for ethical hacking. They want people to find a flaw, and they will incentivize them so yes. that they can fix it before somebody else misuses that abuses that
1: yeah so if it ain't broke, go break it sometimes <laughs> is, that, a, is that the t-shirt that we're gonna get now? Yeah
0: that there's one more if I may add right like yeah. that lately I'm also hearing uh, culture eat strategy for breakfast mm. I I, mm-hmm. I like it, but I think it's often misunderstood, especially when I overheard somebody else adding to it says, oh, Culturally, strategy for breakfast and for lunch and dinner, too. And especially the young people, the Gen Zs joining the workforce, and they, they hear that. And if they don't understand, get to the meaning, that could be very devastating, right? Like This quote came out from a fellow management consultant when he wrote a book. And it, it's very intentional. But just to be clear, it doesn't mean that we don't need strategy. We do need strategy. Right, so it's just that a empowering culture will help drive that strategy. Otherwise, strategy remains a PowerPoint slide. So,
1: cool point. And I think I think that quote is Peter Block, if I can remember.
0: Uh, Peter Drucker.
1: Or Peter Drucker. Sorry, yeah, Peter Drucker. And wow, yeah, I that quote is everywhere. Or I think it, it not, it's not as prevalent maybe in the moment, but it was like a year. All yeah. and, and you're right. It doesn't mean don't have a strategy. If you need a strategy, uh, you need to think strategically. And it's funny because you talked to a lot of leaders. Uh, they were getting pulled down in the weeds and they're like, I need to think more strategically. I want to spend less time in the weeds because people realize, leaders realize You need to be able to think strategically. Um, But culture is also important, certainly. You need both. You need need both. both. You you need a strategy for your culture.
0: Yeah, no, no. You need both. (laughs) And a strong culture definitely helps in executing the strategy. And also, but without a strategy, the culture could erode, right? It takes decades to build a culture, but it can erode in days. If you don't have the right yeah. strategy and the execution is flawed.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of another strategy quote from a Winston Churchill, I don't know if you've heard of this one. It's uh sometimes you have to look at the results, no matter how beautiful the strategy. <laughs> like, how's the execution going? Right? What are the results of the strategy? Even if it's the most beautiful thing you put on the PowerPoint slide. Of course, Winston Churchill didn't have access to PowerPoint. Uh, back in yeah. the day but uh, anyway oh, funny funny take on it yeah what what's the one trait you wish you could instill on every employee and why
0: yeah so very a good question Ben it, it depends right it depends on the context it depends on the business uh, especially in IT it's slightly different as well but if I be mm-hmm. a bit more something that applies to all and from what I have benefited from myself I would say be a student, Hmm. Hmm. very simple. It it sounds simple, just because we got out of college and we are in the workforce doesn't mean the learning has to stop, especially in IT and in this more digital world that we now live in, the digital economy, you gotta be a student. So I tell my teams like be a student of the firm you work for, Hmm. understand the values and cultures and, and the strategies. Number two, be a student of the business environment that we are living in. Like what is the industry we are in? What are the market drivers? Yeah. And lastly, and probably the most important is be a student of your craft. Like spend time to learn it, implement it until you master it. And once you master it, share it with others and
1: rinse and repeat. What is your favorite way to be a student?
0: I spend a lot of time uh reading books, listening to podcasts, speaking with like-minded people like yourselves. I also spend a lot of time listening to my team. Uh, Mm. Whenever I get time, I go out and meet them, listen to them, the challenges they face, how I can help them. Uh, Also, when I'm in the executive committee, listening to my peers, uh, paying, paying more attention how I can apply tech to solve their problems, how can Mm -hmm. I innovate, uh, help drive some of this solutions. So again, going be a student in different ways, it's about be a learn it all versus a know it all person. Mm
1: -hmm. That probably bears repeating. Be a learn-it-all, not a know-it-all. And And you know uh, what? good. So
0: sorry, Ben, to be fully transparent, that's something I heard from a very inspirational leader and also hear it from my CEO and others. So it's it's, it's a great...
1: Well, it's great. Uh, And it's so positive. And I think leaders sometimes struggle with that because sometimes people, especially new leaders, they think they're in a leadership role to tell people what to do. And if you're telling people what to do, it's hard to learn from them. And I love the be a student mindset because you're applying an intention when you go to the executive meeting. I'm not going to the executive meeting to demonstrate my awesomeness, although it's nice to demonstrate your awesomeness sometimes, but I'm going to learn. And when you have that, you probably ask questions differently. You probably listen differently versus listening to debunk someone's presentation or criticize them or change their mind, you're listening to learn. And that is not a subtle difference. That is a huge difference. But it all starts with that intention to be a student. I like that. Hmm. So when's a time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career? And how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Uh,
0: look when you are experimenting and uh, working and you have a almost a de- three decade long career and even even as a student there's got to
1: be back. something in those 30 yeah. years right
0: there, there, there's got to be setbacks <laughs> but the point is like uh, did you learn from it and did you come out stronger right mm-hmm. so for me like one of the aha moments was during middle of my career like just when i was turning about 40 and I was a good technologist, but uh, early on during our conversation, we talked about it, and you, you, you pointed out that I used the word business quite a bit, which I was not using when I was 35, 40 years old up oh. to then, because I was a technologist, and I was possibly a little too geeky, and I didn't have focus on the business, right? Uh, I was possibly doing things because it was cool and great a sexy thing to do and the tech was new and all that. So the aha moment came when I was having a discussion with my CIO and the CFO and I could see the CFO drifting away, even though I had a great presentation and what I was proposing made full sense. So that's when I decided that I needed to uh, add, add more skills. I needed to understand the other functions the finance, accounting, marketing, HR, because tech touches each one of those. Mm. And the way for tech to not be just a cost center, but be important is to understand what the real challenges are and how I can address and fix it. So I decided to join a B school, very grateful to be accepted at some of the great B schools and finally enrolled at the Judge Business School in University of Cambridge. Uh, At age 40, I took a student debt. I I, I took a loan to to Mm. finance my MBA, but it was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I joined there, and I thought I had great experience. I had a lot of tech knowledge, and it would be a cakewalk for me. I'll learn a few things and come out stronger. And then I quickly realized that the, the, the more I learned, I realized there's more to learn. Joining Cambridge and going through that Cambridge experience was like when you're thirsty for knowledge and drinking from a, a fire hose, it was it was just amazing. I think it was a very humbling experience for me. And that was a new beginning, which has led to what I am today. Wow.
1: You went back to school and got an MBA at 40 years old. I love it. I absolutely love it. And because you're living out that advice of being a student. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've I've received my MBA from Georgia Tech. And I'll say that's one of the most valuable things that I got of it, similar to you, is that you learn to speak the language of other parts of the business, right? Absolutely. You you go in a technologist, you come out a business leader with an expertise in technology, probably, right?
0: Absolutely. So technology becomes one of the toolkit.
1: Yeah. I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So my expectation is pretty high on this next question. Just being a global CIO. What's a tool or gadget that's contributed to your success that listeners could go out and purchase?
0: Yeah, it is. Very, very interesting. (laughs) No pressure. Yeah. So look, being in tech, one of the things I I learned uh, was the use of smartphones and gadgets early on, right? Even before Apple made it... uh, on everybody's hands, right? So like your basic, like your phone, email and calendaring. So that was mm. very mm. effective usage of time management and communication and all those things. So that was great. However, if I were to pick a tool, I think it's free. Uh, it's mm. free and it's more of an approach. Okay. The thing that's I like to do and I've changed is like wake up early and meditate. Mm. Right? It's it, it, it's a simple thing to do. You when you wake up early, you get a head start compared to everybody else. When you even if it's for a few minutes, you you have time to yourself. It the meditation helps you recalibrate, refocus, and reenergize. So mm. when you attack your day, you have a plan of action. Mm. And just by going back to plan your work and then work your plan that itself gives you a huge head start compared to everybody else and your peers and everybody so yeah there are a lot of tools and gadgets and things you could work on and 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 everybody not one size doesn't fit all kind of thing but this in this particular case like wake up early get a head start and even if it's for a few moments, just meditate. I think it's free. Anybody can do it. Just do it as a ritual, as a as a self-discipline, and mm-hmm. see the results for yourself. That's I would say.
1: Love it, love it. What time is normally your early wake-up call?
0: So yeah, I I experiment a little bit. Sometimes I wake up early, like I've large teams in India as well, so sometimes I wake up four a.m. 6 a.m. sometimes on the weekends. 4 a.m.
1: is pre-dawn early. Yeah,
0: but pre-dawn, My I figured out like I work the best around 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. time frame. That's mm. the time I'm usually, unless I'm solving some specific problem or addressing critical communication, that's the time that's my time to, as I said, like recalibrate, re-energize, and refocus on things.
1: And with that said, what so I'm a 5 a.m.er also. My most productive time by far is between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. And I can pretty much track it. Like every every minute beyond 7 a.m., I'm not quite as sharp potentially. And and I kind of arrange my day where I'm doing like deep, insightful kind of creative work, five to seven then I usually prepare breakfast for my family if I'm not traveling and then I do other work. Um, and do, I do my interviews kind of later in the day cause they, they energize me. But from, from your perspective, uh, what are you, are you treating that as more, uh, well, I guess maybe walk us through that time and are you doing meditation during that early morning time or are you saving it for later? And
0: I, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I do wake up, uh, I catch up on the news, what's important, uh, some generic uh, world affairs and IT and things. But then I meditate a little bit and then I'm planning my day and I'm strategizing. Uh, You you, you mentioned like a lot of leaders talk about strategizing, not getting caught up in the weeds. And this is the time when you're not caught up in the weeds of daily life and the traffic and the... Commute or the the meetings and your calendars. This this almost free time, and yep, it gives yep. you opportunity to think and plan and strategize, strategize on the problems you need to solve today, the work for next days and weeks ahead, and also a checkpoint of the the longer term strategies that you had. The mm-hmm. one year, two or three year plans are you on track? Like because you got to hit all those minor milestones to hit the major
1: milestones. Yeah. On the meditation piece, is there a certain kind of meditation you do, or what's your how, uh, what's your meditation process? Yeah, uh,
0: it's not as scientific; it's more cultural. The way I grew up in a uh, society in India, I think most people in India do yoga or, or have been exposed to it, and it's more cultural. So, yeah, my my type of meditation is like little little religion. Cultural based,
1: okay. Plan. So, like prayer, is that mixed uh, in, or
0: it's a mix mixture of prayer and uh, just going through my own. I have my own ritual. I have my own uh, mental canvas that I have my one year, three year, five year plans and my minor milestones that I need to hit and it's a checkpoint. And so sometimes I clear my thoughts and do that, and sometimes I'm I'm re envisioning and making sure I'm on track. So, so you're
1: visualizing, you're going to like a visualization process. Yes, so part
0: of complete meditation where it's blank, I'm not thinking anything, and it's like giving room. Yes. And then it's a visualization process where now I've got creative and innovative ideas coming in. So, cool. the blend of things that I've developed, it's a little difficult for me to explain. It's a very internalized process that, that I have developed over a period of years, and it works for me.
1: Well, no, that's great that you found the right way. And I think people that stick with it are the ones that do customize it to your own preferences. And I, I, I'm glad you made the distinction for people that may not be as familiar with meditation that, hey, there's this one where you're trying to clear your thoughts and create stillness. And there's another version of this where it's more about getting focused on meaningful goals, right? Yeah. And making those things a reality. So... um Cool. All right. Well, what's your parting thought for our listeners today, Viral?
0: I think for the listeners, the point is find your set your own goals, hmm. define your own success criterias, be a student and go get it.
1: Like, nice. Go get
0: it. That's like uh, don't don't wait. Don't hold yourself back.
1: Just go get it. Be a student, y'all. Uh, understand your business. Some great tips and strategies and some fun chit-chat around meditation and goal setting. Uh, and man, some really fun conversation today around the worst leadership advice we have heard, which was a not fun twist on that. Thanks for your all.
0: Thank you, Ben. It was a great honor to be on your podcast. And thank you.
1: If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping.